So if you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn over to uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at verses 1 to 20 in our time together this morning. Um, I'm going to try a PowerPoint presentation through the service today. We'll see how it goes. But a couple of things I wanted to mention to you. We, we, the, the performance last night was just outstanding. But the times I've gone to performances, maybe on Broadway or whatever the case may be, normally when I come away from those experiences, I, I, I will say something like, that was just amazing, won't you? You go like, oh, everything about it was just phenomenal, right? You, you know what that's like. Then there's other times when I've been invited to see things where I go away and, and there's not a lot of positive to say, but you just go, um, yeah, that was, uh, that, that was something. And was, uh, it was basic, uh, you, you know, but you don't normally put those two together, do you? You don't normally put amazing and I was really simple together. But isn't it interesting with Christmas and the coming of Christ, you can take the word simple and amazing and bring them together. When I was a teenager growing up, my poor parents used to just always roll their eyes when Christmas came. It wasn't because I didn't get presents for everybody. I, I did. That wasn't the problem. But my wrapping was terrible. Because I had a philosophy, like, if I'm going to spend money on a gift, I want to spend it on the gift that they can keep. Why spend money on wrapping paper? I mean, it just didn't make any sense to me. So I would normally put it in, um, I would find a bag, a plastic bag, or, 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 or something very, very simple and just wrap it up because I think you're going to discard it anyway. You know, my mom, my dear mother, who's been with the Lord now for many years, but she would just, honey, you can't do this. Like when you get married, you can't do this with your wife. Okay. And I've learned, I've learned through the years that you can't mix simple packaging with a profound gift. And she's right, except when it comes to Christ. So as, as we walk our way through a very, very familiar text, what you're going to find at the end of the day, what we're talking about is amazingly simple and simply amazing. And watch how God brings all that together. The other thing, I'm going to push you on a couple traditions today that we have, but we'll get there. So this is what the story does. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible, the passage begins very, very, very broadly about what's going on in the Roman Empire as a whole. Then the camera kind of zooms down, and it's going to look at one young couple in Bethlehem, and then cut screen over and look at shepherds and bring the whole thing together. So let, let's just kind of walk our way through the story. It starts very, very broad here in verse 1 of chapter 2 by saying this. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Uh, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So it's very, very broad. And, and, and the Romans were very, very good at collecting money. 
And there were a variety of ways to make sure that there was a census done to make sure all that occurred. And different places in the empire did it at different times. And there, there's all kinds of things. And we know from other accounts of one later ones and so on and so forth. But so, so this is not unusual for this kind of thing to happen. And sometimes... If you were born in Bethlehem and your family was from there, sometimes what they would do is they would say, go back there, we want to make sure everybody, how many people are in particular areas so we can charge appropriately to those areas, etc., etc. So they had it all worked out. So here's the bottom line. The pagan government was doing what pagan governments always do, which is collect taxes, right? But God was working out his word through the whole process. Do you see that? I mean, if you would have stepped on the scene, you would say, well, here we go again. The whole census and everything going on there. And God's saying, yeah, because I've got an issue. I made a prophecy back in the book of Micah that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So somehow I've got to get a young couple that are some 70 miles away up in Galilee in a little podunk place called Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem. So the government's doing what it's doing, and Joseph has to do what he has to do, and in the whole process, God is God. Do do, do you see that? So listen to what it says here. Verse 4. So Joseph also went up from from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Do you see what God's doing? It's amazing. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7, and then I'm going to throw something up here, and I hope I won't mess up your Christmas by, by going after a particular tradition, but I think it's important. Let me just read it. The Bible says, while they were there, which means they were there for a little while before the next thing happened, right? While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, I'm reading from the New International Version. Listen to what it says. Because there was no guest room available for them. You may have a different translation, says, because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, so stay with me here. Just just a short aside, and then we'll get back to the text. If you've been to any Christmas pageants around this time of year, um, haven't you seen something that looks something like this? This is kind of the story we're given. Um, In the evening of December 25th, A.D. 1, Joseph arrives in Bethlehem leading a donkey which is carrying his pregnant wife. Since there's no room for them in the local economy inn, the innkeeper and his wife allow the couple to stay the night in their humble stable. Shortly thereafter, Mary gives birth. During the evening, shepherds who had been informed of the birth by angels come to see the child, the Christ child, and then leave to share the news with others. The next day, after seeing a comet, Three kings from the east arrive to worship Christ, and each of them offers the family a gift, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You ever seen those pageants? Yeah, yeah, I've been in them. Okay. Um, There's a fair amount of things in there that we just don't know, and some of which are just blatantly wrong. 
okay? Jesus was actually born around 5 B.C. How can Jesus be born before Christ? Because the poor monk who was figuring out the whole thing a couple hundred years later had it all wrong, had, the, had a couple dates off. So Jesus was actually born before in B.C., which doesn't make any sense. But here's the only one I want to pick up on. Not to mess you, mess you up here, but I don't think that there was any inn or any innkeeper. And, and I don't want to get too greeky on you, but stay with me, okay? And then we'll get back to the story, but it, it has a reason why I'm saying all this, believe me. When the Bible says because there was no room for them in the mm, it's the word kataluma. You see it up there on the screen, kataluma. That's it. That's it, right? And it just means dwelling. It, 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 you don't know exactly what it's specifically, to what the referent is. It's just this word dwelling. It's used, the word is used twice in the, in the Gospel of Luke, two times. Here in this passage, and again in Luke chapter 22. And in Luke chapter 22, when it uses the word kataluma, it's using it for the guest room, the upper room where the guys, the disciples actually meet for their final meal. Okay, it has, it has nothing to do with a stable or a garage outside. It, it's just talking about a guest room that is attached to a normal home. So in a, in a normal Jewish home of a bit more means, you would have a basic family living section and you would have a guest room. And, and then guests comes, they could stay there. So here's what I would argue that the passage is actually telling us. We know something else. We know this archaeologically. Here's my problem with the idea of sending Mary and Joseph to a stable or to an inn. In the ancient world, you would never do that to family. You would never do that to family. I would never have my family come to me and say, we don't have any room. You can go out there and stay in some stable somewhere. It just, they just, you wouldn't have done it. You would have just smushed them in. That's what you do. But in some of the, we know this archaeologically, some of the way houses were actually built, they would sometimes build them actually into the hillside. Sorry, this is my artistic rendition. It's not the best, but try to do it. If you think of a split level, this is a side view. You could sometimes, and, and if I was up about another step or two higher, maybe about like here, something like that, okay? All right, think of a split level. You could sometimes come in and, and, and go up a couple steps and that would be where the family room area would be. And then next to that would be the guest room. But because you're really concerned about your animals, you would often bring your animals in at night. You see the bottom section there when, when you open the door? You bring your animals in and think like a split level. You would let them stay there, and then you would feed them. And the easiest way to feed them is to have a stone feeding trough in between the family living area and the actual place where the animals were kept. I mean, this, this, is, this is what they would do. So this is what you find then is you would come in and there would be a stable, but it wasn't like a stable out there. It would be almost like a garage split level, if you will, with the house. And you could feed the animals right off of that feeding trough. So here's what I would argue. When the Christ child was born, Mary took her firstborn son she wrapped him in cloths, which was very common in the day. And because another family member was already in the kataluma, the guest room, because everybody was coming back to Bethlehem because it was a busy time to register, she had to give birth, guess where? In the basic family room living area, 
And the only place to put the child was in that feeding trough, which would be between the family room and the place where the animals were kept. The idea of Mary and Joseph pulling up and then she goes that night and has her baby makes no sense from the text. The text says while they were there. How long were they there before she gave birth? I would guess weeks. There's no way they stuck her in a stable for weeks. There's no way. It makes no sense. Now, having said all that, so, so sometimes this video series that we've been using, they had one also of the innkeeper, but I couldn't in good conscience using it because I don't think one existed. <laughs> I don't think there was an innkeeper, so we couldn't really actually use that in the series. But, 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 but what's the same as this? This was a very simple, ordinary birth. They didn't even get the guest room. All they got was the family room, and the only place to put the baby was in a stone feeding trough, adjacent to what we might call a, a garage or whatever you want to call it. Does that make sense? So I just, just, just want to be clear on that. All that's background. They come, God brings them there, and at just the right time, she has the baby, and she puts the baby in the feeding trough. Split screen, now we're going to run to another scene. We're going out to see some shepherds. So look what the text says. Okay, kind of gives you a sense of how the passage is developing. So look at verse 8 now. With that in mind, God has set that whole scene up. The baby is there. It's exactly where God wants everything. It's very, very simple. It's amazingly simple. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I don't know about you, but I love shepherds, at least from a distance. But if you get really up close to a shepherd, and you see sheep dung on their sandals, and you see how much they smell and all kinds of other things, you can understand why in antiquity... They were necessary for the economy, but they would have been considered a lower group within the the socioeconomic status. Does that make sense? And, and, And think about this. Everything is being orchestrated by God. Roman census. God's getting them right where he wants them to be. Yeah, but the guest room, it's 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 filled. It's okay. God's behind all this. It's a simple birth. In the family room, adjacent, put the baby in the feeding cloth after you wrap them up. Because God's going to use all this. Simple shepherds out in the field. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Let me tell you something. Whenever somebody in Scripture sees an angel, they're terrified. I mean, they fall down and they think like, and, and, and I, I loved it on the video with thinking, I mean, what would that be like for guys that have done nothing for much of their life but watch sheep graze? <laughs> you know? And there they are, and the sheep are grazing and doing what they're doing, and who knows what kind of conversation they're having that particular night, and all of a sudden an angel shows up. And, and the Bible says, A glorious angel. So, I mean, you know, when you talk about light and brightness, you got it on this one. And they do what everybody else should do. They're terrified. And I love the response. 
But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know what that's like? When you get a phone call from your daughter and son-in-law, and she says, we had a baby. Like, how do you feel? You go, hey, thanks for the news, honey. You go, like, honey, honey, don't you? I mean, whoa. Or, or you get a song, you get a message from your son. I think I'm going to pass college, dad. Honey, right, right, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, there's those moments when you get this good news and it's just like, it's totally overwhelming. Like, I can't believe it. This is so good. This actually happened. I got a job, uh, whatever, whatever it is. You, you got it? So the angel says, these guys are cowering and fearful. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm not just going to give you good news. I'm going to give you good news that is going to go far beyond what you can possibly imagine. It's going to bring so much joy that you can't possibly imagine it. And they're kind of like, and it is? What exactly, right? And here it is. We sang about it today, again and again, praise God. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, don't, don't run too quickly by that. These guys are nothing in the whole social system of the day. They're nothing. And he looks at shepherds and says, this, this news which is going to blow you away, it is so terrific. It's amazing. You know all the promises about a Messiah coming? You've been waiting for hundreds of years. A would-be Messiah have come on the scene and they just nothing worked and they, they were destroyed by the world. But today, in the city of David, because that's what Micah said, In the city of David, you have a Savior, Messiah, and Lord. Savior, that is his mission. And and, and wherever you find yourself today, you know what I love? This message is for some people. It's for all. It's, it, it, it extends to all. So I know something. When this message is given, it's to be good news for everybody sitting in here. Everybody. Now, it's already good news if you know Christ. Because you'll say like, yes! He has saved me. Forgiven me. Brought me back in relationship with God forever. That is good news. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I've got good news for you. He's our Savior. He wants to forgive you of your sins, bring you into a relationship with God that never ends. Folks, does it get any better than that? I can't promise you health and wealth or any of those things. I wish I could. I wish I could. But I can promise you a relationship with God forever. Because a Savior has been born. We could not work our way to God. We could not get there on our own. We could, no. God had to become one of us. He had to enter into our story so that we could experience his story.
That's, that's what the gospel is. And he looks at these shepherds and he says, I got great news. Finally, you can be forgiven forever. Relationship with God. A Savior has been born. He's Messiah. He's King. All those prophecies of, of, of what the Messiah would come and do, he's here. Now, now, is the world the way it should be? No, not yet. As Carmelo said, God, when you wait for Christ's second coming, you will find one day this world will be a perfect world. It's hard to imagine, but it's true with us living in it, if you know him. But it's true. He is Messiah. He comes. You will not You will not keep him from being Messiah. That's who he is. And he will one day fully let us realize all that is involved in that. He is Savior. Shepherds, you insignificant, lowly people. He's your Messiah. And I'm giving the news to you. And he is Lord. The word Lord is applied to God himself as deity. It speaks both of his deity and has his role at the very, very top of everything. You know, every four years, we get to vote in and out the most powerful man or woman in the world for the president of the United States, don't we? And it doesn't matter how powerful they are, they get eight years at the most and they're done. You know what? You'll never vote him out. (laughs) He's at the top of the pack, Lord of all, in conjunction with the fact that he has died for us and resurrected, all authority is given to him. And he's going to be there forever. And shepherds, the angel says, I want you to know that that's what brings joy. King, Savior, Lord, he's here. And the angel goes on to say this. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. You know what I thought was really fascinating there? Did God need to do that? I mean, he could have just said, there's a baby, go find him. Like, how many babies were born that night in Bethlehem? My guess is, one. Bethlehem wasn't that big. I mean, it was a small area. It wasn't like, you know, it was just some maternity ward. It wasn't. It was, it was small. So they could, have, they could have found the baby. He just said, hey, go for it. He's Bethlehem somewhere. Way to go. But instead... The angel says, I want you to go, and you'll easily be able to identify where the baby is born. That, you'll get to Bethlehem and say, was a baby born? Oh, yeah, Mary finally had her kid. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's not a problem. But can you imagine when they went in the house? I would have loved to see what that looked like. What? There's a bunch of shepherds outside. I just had a baby. I don't know about you. Like, right if my wife has a baby, I don't want anybody near her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really. I mean, you, you get it. And, and so knock on the door. And the, the, well, I, I, well, why are they here? I, I, they said they have an incredible story. Oh, uh, okay. Whatever reason they let them in. 
And they come in, and what do they say? They go in there, and the Bible says they find Mary and Joseph and the baby in the feeding trough. And they each look at each other and go like, that's exactly what we were told. You know, the feeding trough thing, we didn't quite totally understand. It was a sign that God's given us. When Mary put the baby in the feeding trough, she wasn't sure where else to put it. But God was going to use that as a sign. So when the shepherds came in, they would go like, oh, that's just like God, isn't it? To, to details and to say it's true and you can believe my word. And this birth was amazingly simple. So what do they say? Look what the text says. Oh, verse 16. This is the turning point. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. I mean, what else were you going to do? Can you imagine the... Oh, you know what I missed? Holy mackerel. I missed something major, didn't I? Look at verse 14. Sorry about that. My eyes just whipped right by it. Bad, bad. Verse 13. Suddenly, we're, we're, we just went back to the um, shepherds out in the, uh, outside. Okay, here we go. Sorry about that. Suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So they're sitting there, and the angel says, Savior, King, Lord, in Bethlehem, go find him. And before they can have a chance to leave, the whole thing lights up. Now look, we got a great lighting system in here. I mean, like last night, I'm going like, they're changing light. I'm like, that's really cool. You know, and I talked to somebody afterwards and said, we're going to do a whole lot more than that, too. I said, like, well, that's really, I mean, it amazes me. But there ain't nothing like this lighting show. Can you imagine what this was like? I mean, as good as our guys are, they couldn't lit, lit, it, lit up the sky like this one. And all of a sudden, the whole sky is just lit up, and there's just a myriad, a host of angels saying, glory to God and peace on earth to those with whom God's favor rests. Is it peace for everybody? No. Is the act of the incarnation, Christ becoming a man, is that glorifying God? You better believe it. God puts himself right into our world. But the peace is not for all. The peace is only for those that that receive him. But for those individuals, if you know Christ as your Savior, peace, 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 peace. And they disappear. And the, and the guys look at each other and say, come on, man. And they're off and running. And they go to Bethlehem. And when they come and when they see everything has been told, the Bible says this, verse 17, when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. So when they see the baby in the feeding trough, they know the message was true. And they they affirm to Mary what she already knew and to Joseph. They say, this child, Savior, King, Lord, peace for everyone who accepts him. God is glorified right now in this moment. And everybody's standing around, all the family members are sitting, standing around going like, whoa, what is going on here? And Mary ponders it in her heart. 
We've had uh, several ladies give birth in the last year or two, um, which is great. It's a sign of a healthy church. Um, and um, you know what it's like, ladies, when you bring that baby home. And maybe my wife and I were talking about this last night. We were talking with Rachel a little bit. It was kind of fun. But, but when you first see that baby, you go to yourself like, what do I do now? Right? Like, like the breathing, that's good. Uh, I got to feed them. I change their diapers. What, what do I do if they wake up in the middle of the night? Right? I mean, all those kinds of things. But that child is absolutely dependent upon you. Absolutely. I, I used to worry about dropping my kids. Like, especially like when you give them a bath, you're all slimy and you're afraid you're going to drop. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just a lot of fears you have as a young father, okay? Uh, they're in the past now, but I had them in the past. So whatever, I'm just admitting it here. Openness, openness with you. But she would have looked at that child, a child who would not live without her nursing him, a child that she would have to change his diaper. She would have to care for him. He was God in the flesh. Would that make you ponder as a mother? <laughs> Would you look and go like, holy mackerel, for real? Because it was holy. It, 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 would just, it would wipe you away. So they share the story and everybody else is going like, wow, that's really amazing. And Mary's going like, oh. it just overwhelms her. Verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Do you see that? God is over everything. And the very thing he told them is the very thing they found to happen. That's how God does his work. He's totally reliable. What's the point? Here it is. While the setting for the birth of Jesus was amazingly simple. Think about that, folks. Mary and Joseph were poor. Mary and Joseph didn't even get the family. It didn't even get the guest room. Mary and Joseph had to put their baby in a feeding trough. Shepherds. Amazingly simple. While the setting for the birth of Jesus was amazingly simple, the message of Jesus' birth is simply amazing. God is with us. Lord, King, Savior. So what's the point for us? Hear it. Believe it. Share it. It could be that you're with us here today and you just don't buy into this stuff. I don't go for this Christian. I mean, I, I like Christians, but I don't really go for the Christian message. I mean, everybody knows this stuff's impossible. Would you open your heart up to hear it? Will you hope, open your heart up to believe it? You know God's working in your heart. You know it. You sense it. Don't push it down and suppress it. 
Hear it. Believe it. Because God all the time steps into history and he makes statements and then he validates those statements with with eyewitnesses. Does it all the way through? Does it all the way through the gospel of Luke? Luke will constantly be telling us, this guy saw that, this guy saw that, that guy saw that, 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 that. All the way through. So he's saying, this is not some kind of hopeful thing that I just kind of throw. There's guys you can talk about that saw this. There's eyewitnesses of this stuff. And Luke wants us to know. The shepherds were eyewitnesses of this. Exactly what God said is exactly what God did. And here's a sign to validate it. Shepherds, I want you to hear it and I want you to believe it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, he wants you to hear it. He wants you to believe it. Because it's the only hope for humanity. He wants you to experience his peace which only he can do. You say, think about it, I know it. I've heard it. I believe it. Will you share it? How hard do you think it was for these shepherds to talk about their experience? Can you imagine a guy going home that night, getting home, hey, honey, uh, how's things go at work today? Typical guy response, not bad. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do you think that's what happened? Like, you know, I'll talk to you in the morning, honey. I'm a little bit tired. Did a fair amount of extra labor and walking today. Are you kidding? Or the next day when they saw their relatives for whatever, whatever, wherever they were at, hey, uh, how, how are things gone? Uh, pretty, pretty decent. No, no, no. They would have gone, no, 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 you know what we saw? Another thing, this really happened to me. Stephen, wait, well, he used Steve there. So Stephen, and I mean, we saw, we, and it goes through the whole scenario. And God said this, and we went, and it was exactly that way. And the, the whole thing. Could you possibly keep it in? There is no way you could keep it in. Folks, if you believe that story is true, you should look for every opportunity imaginable to tell it. And I know we all get scared. I don't know anybody that doesn't get scared. I don't care who it is. We all get scared when it comes to witnessing. We do it like, how do I get into the conversation? What if they ask me something I can't answer? Blah, blah. I, I get it. We all, have, we all feel that way. I feel that way. I get it. But if you pray this week, God, grant me opportunities and then give me the courage to act on those opportunities. And then look for them each and every day. You will see more opportunities than you can possibly imagine. We have, um, remember we have Gospel of John, tra- uh, not tracks, but Gospel of John's that we always had for you in the back of the old building. Well, we, we found them, so we got them here too. What I encourage you to do, there's a whole bunch of ways to do this. You don't have to use any of the Gospel, gospel of John things. I, it, it's totally up to you. However, we got them, and I love to keep a bunch of them in my glove compartment. And I can't tell you how many times I meet somebody who I'll probably never see again. I think, I can give them one of those. And I just can't out and say, hey, Christmas is a wonderful time. And here is one of the Gospels on Jesus. Would you read it and find out what the Gospel story is all about? I'd be happy to talk to you more about it, but if you don't want it, want to talk about it, here, just take this. That's all you got to do. That's it. That's it. 
And you don't know. That guy could take that thing, go home, and start reading it and put it on the shelf and say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Pick it up a little bit later when things are difficult. Meet another Christian at another point, another time. Before you know it, that guy becomes a Christian. And where did it start? It all started with God, but he happened to use you by giving it out to start with. Don't underestimate all that. We're going to get to heaven one day. I'm convinced. We're going to see someone there and say, like, hey, how did you go? Well, you should know. You did blind. Are you kidding? I mean, I, don't know. I didn't know what happened to you. But God did. Don't underestimate how God will use you, folks. But like the shepherds, hear it, believe it. And if you believe it, share it. Because it's the best news people will ever hear. Father, Thank you. Thank you for the message of the gospel. Lord, you give it to the most simple people to tell us that it's for everybody. Lord, you have done everything far beyond what we could imagine in actually sending your son and Christ, you becoming a man for us. Would you overwhelm us with the message of the gospel? That God has become part of our story so that we could become part of his. That we could experience peace which can only come from you. And Father, forgive us for not sharing it. Grant us so many opportunities this week leading up to Christmas that we're overwhelmed with the way you want to use us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.